Members of the armed forces are used to contending with stressful situations. However, making the move from deployment to employment as a civilian professional brings with it a different set of challenges. Hello, I'm your host, Paul Teese, and in this episode of If When, we discuss how service members can successfully embark on the next phase of their careers with Isaac Barnes, President of Imminent Future, and Cleo Thomas, Vice President and Director of Operation for Jacobs Global Digital Center of Excellence. Isaac and Cleo are both fantastic examples of service members who are able to parlay their military experiences into rewarding post-military careers. After serving in the U.S. Army for 25 years, achieving the rank of Colonel, and serving in the White House under President Obama, Cleo now manages operational priorities to ensure the successful integration of innovations in support of Jacob's global mission. A former U.S. Marine, Isaac made history earlier this year as his Black-owned tech company, Imminent Future, was awarded a $13.4 billion defense contract with the Pentagon, White House, and U.S. State Department. In the discussion that follows, Isaac and Cleo shared how they got started in the military, what they learned along the way, and the advice they would pass along to their comrades-in-arms who are preparing to take their own next steps. I found that the recommendations they shared are just as applicable for non-military professionals, too. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Well, Isaac and Cleo, thank you both so much for joining me today. I'm really fascinated to, uh, to talk with you about transitioning from the military into civilian life, and I, I really can't think of two finer gentlemen that I wanted to talk to you about this than both of you. You've got amazing backgrounds. You're doing amazing things. You know, so I think it's it's really helpful for gentlemen like yourselves who are in a role, leadership roles where you can mentor to, you know, say younger folks maybe, or maybe even not so younger folks who are transitioning out of military active duty and are, are looking to move into the civilian life. And so just want to start by thanking you both for joining me today. Hey, thanks for having us, Paul. I really thanks. appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Thanks for having us, Paul. To start us off, I want to uh, ask you both the same question. And Isaac, I'll start with you. And then Cleo, I'll ask you the same question. But Isaac, can you tell us a little bit about your military career? Sure. So I have a very, very interesting you know, journey uh, through the military. I grew up in a family where my dad was an Army veteran, right? Mm-hmm. So he was adamant about me not going to the military, which is surprising for most most veterans, right? Uh, a lot of people see the benefits and they want their kids to follow in their footsteps, et cetera, et cetera. My dad was the exact opposite. Hmm. But I, I think he always had this way of, you know, telling me what not to do because he knew I was going to do it. So <laughs> <laughs> I think that may have been his way of, of uh, trying to get me to at least consider it. So my father passed away in 2000. And, you know, one of the things that I did shortly after that was think about what I wanted to do in my life. And so I, I ended up going to have conversations with the Air Force. They wouldn't take me. They were like, nah, you don't, your, your, your scores aren't high enough. We can't get you in. And so I went and had conversations with the Army. They were literally just pushing money my way and they couldn't guarantee me the job that I wanted. So, you know, as I was walking out of their offices, the Marines stopped me. And they basically asked me, you know, did you get what you need talking to the army folks? And my response was, I actually didn't. And they said, what were you looking for? So 
I told them, you know, I wanted to do something in computers and in technology. And they mm -hmm. basically were like, we can, we can take care of you. And so long story short, I ended up leaving, preparing to leave on September 11th, 9-11, right? Mm -hmm. And my flight got grounded. I ended up sitting in the MEPS station and like just terrified watching all of this transpire, right? Mm -hmm. One of the biggest, most traumatic events in our country's history. And so, you know, I ended up leaving there, going back home for about a month. And then I ended up joining, leaving and joining the Marine Corps, going to boot camp. Did three months in boot camp and then went to the fleet. And I was a computer programmer in the Marine Corps. So I served um, basically building software for the Marine Corps, which I, I think most people didn't even know that was possible. So that's why I say it was, it was a very interesting experience, but I learned a lot. I grew a lot in a very short period of time. My parent, I mean, my mom, you know, and I, I look, I look at my brother, my oldest brother as a, as a semi-parent, but when mm -hmm. I got back home, they were like, you changed dramatically. And I'm like, that's what happens <laughs> when you, when you go up to the military. So mm -hmm. I, I think just to summarize it, the experience for me was a very, very transformational experience that has shaped the way that I view the world and also how I approach every aspect of my life. Mm. Mm, wonderful, wonderful. And then Cleo, can you share with us a little bit about your military journey as well? Yeah, I, you know, and I agree with Isaac. It's hard to talk about when you entered the military without talking about what got you there. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'll start at the very beginning. Uh, similar to Isaac, my dad was served in the Korean War. He was uh, definitely pictures, photos. He brought a lot of stuff back with him. Uh, he didn't push me to join the military and he didn't say, hey, don't join the military. But I think the crossroad came for me when I was in high school. Our counselor were giving out scholarships to a lot of the different people in the, in the high school. Some of us had higher GPAs than others, but we still weren't offered a scholarship. And I didn't understand. And I walked into her office one day and I said, hey, um, my GPA is in the high threes, just trying to figure out why I don't get a scholarship. She was like, well, you know, there's plenty of opportunities for you in the, in the local plants. They got steel plants. They got railroad factories. They got all kind of stuff for you to do from a technical standpoint. Don't you think you'd be better served, you know, like going into one of the labor fields? And I was like, no, I don't think I would be better served going into one of those. Mm -hmm. uh, my dad worked at a railroad plant uh, and he did that his whole life. And it was definitely hard work. And my assumption is that I, he wanted something better for me. So mm -hmm. bottom line, I didn't want my mom to pay for uh, college. Mm -hmm. So a group of us start looking for scholarships. And I found this Army ROTC scholarship. And I was like, hey, uh, it's free. They give you $100 a month, um, book money. I was like, there's no better deal than this. So I applied. I got accepted. Went and did my initial physical. And uh, it turned out great. Um, so they told me, you know, you got a full scholarship. You can go anywhere you want to go. I picked a school called Tuskegee University. And really the reason I picked Tuskegee because I didn't want to leave too far from my mom and dad. You know, it was a couple hours away from my house in Alabama. Mm -hmm. And um, the journey started at Tuskegee University. So I did uh, five years. I graduated as an electrical engineer. I thought based on the fact that I was an electrical engineer, the perfect career choice for me for me would be engineer until I found out that engineers in the army are not real engineers. They just blow up stuff. Uh, so <laughs> I, I jumped out of that one and went into the signal Corps. Uh, and so uh, I started in the signal Corps. My first duty station was Fort Bragg. My plan mm -hmm. was to do my four years and get out. 
I mean, but to be honest with you, I had a great time. And the reason I think I had a great time is because of the mentorship. I mean, people would come up to me, you know, 18, 19 years old and say, hey, sir, how did you get to where you are? You know, and it wasn't a lot of minorities at Fort Bragg when I was there. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we were just kind of the sounding board, you know, for people to walk up and just kind of talk to us. So I did my time at Bragg. I went to uh, school at Fort Gordon, ended Mm -hmm. up doing the normal things that officers do, you know, commanding companies, battalions. I commanded a brigade in the Pacific. And so I was in charge of about 4,000 people in the entire Pacific. So I was in charge of the Army comms for Guam, Alaska, Hawaii, and all of the stuff that supports the U.S. Army Pacific Command. After that, I went to uh, the White House and I served for two years as the White House Communication Agency Director or Commander under President Obama. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was a great experience for me. I mean, that was definitely outside the norm for a signal officer, an army officer. And mm-hmm. so I was glad I was selected for that job, but it was extremely stressful and political. They didn't tell me that when I got hired, but it's definitely, you know, you're going to the White House, but you think you can still do army stuff. It, it wasn't quite like that. <laughs> um, and so after I left the White House, left right after Obama left, mm-hmm. President Obama, I'm sorry. And then I went to JFHQ Doden, which is Joint Forces Headquarters, Department of Defense Information Network. Mm-hmm. And I was in charge of the entire Department of Defense Informa- Information Network. Forty some people, thousands of people connecting to the network working closely with NSA and Cyber Command. So I learned a lot about cyber. I learned mm-hmm. about a lot about offensive cyber, defensive cyber, everything that goes into protecting our nations uh, from a homeland defense to other things. So I retired uh, about in 2018 uh, as a colonel, and mm-hmm. I started my journey from there. And so that's just a little bit how I got there and where I am now. And so I love defensive cyber operations, and that's what I do at Jacobs. Mm-hmm. Oh, awesome. Awesome. And, you know, and that's something I think, uh, well, you know, one thing that, it, that I picked up on, you know, both you and Isaac uh, have served uh, under the, you know, Obama administration. And, and Isaac, I think you also served under the Trump administration as well. So you both have that that White House experience as well, which is really fascinating. Now, Isaac, you know, you got out, you were telling me right before we got on that you got out I think about 2005, I think it was, and you began your uh, your professional career, or I should say your civilian professional career. Yeah, yeah. Now, what are some leadership insights you gained during the course of your tenure in the military that you think are particularly relevant for someone embarking on a, on a corporate career or a civilian career? So that's a that's a fantastic question. I think the best way that I can shape it is to take you back to boot camp, right? Because I think that's where the leadership lessons truly begin, especially for Marines. One one of the early experiences I had and and the slap in the face moments I had uh, learning leadership the hard way was during one of our PT sessions during boot camp. It was a mile and a half run. This was, you know, one of the first times I had ever run over a mile. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm running and I'm running and I'm running. And all of a sudden I, I felt like I just I got about, you know, three quarters of the way through the first mile and I felt like I got hit by a, a, a semi truck and my lungs just felt like they were going to collapse. And I look around and one of the drill instructors, he's looking at me. He's like, don't think about quitting. And I was <laughs> like, well, but I want to quit. He's like, no, don't. he's like, you, you don't quit until you're throwing up. Right. 
And and in that moment, I'm looking, I'm like, quitting until I throw up. I'm gonna quit way before <laughs> I throw up. And then he, then he said to me, he was like, look, how many of these guys around you have stopped so far because they can't go anymore and they're throwing up? And he was, and I was like, probably about four or five I've seen so far. He's like, yeah, exactly. He's like, has that happened to you yet? And I said, no. He's like, well, that means you can keep going. If you're not, your body's telling you, if your body's not giving you clear signals like that, then that means you could keep going. And in that moment, I felt a switch in my mind. My mm-hmm. whole perception of what I was doing changed. I was like, okay, so it's really my mind playing these tricks on me. My body is actually fine. And in that moment, I felt my entire being just relax and, and calm down. And so mm-hmm. I tell that story because that stayed with me throughout the rest of my military career. And it still stays with me to, until this day. There's always these moments in life where we feel like we can't keep going or we feel like, you know, we've had enough. But ultimately, there's always another gear that you can kick into. And it Mm -hmm. typically starts off with the mindset, right? Looking at life and seeing life through the lens of, you know, is it really that bad? And so you brought up my my tenure at the White House and and working in that administration, both administrations. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the things that kept me going. You know, as Cleo mentioned, the environment is super political. It's super, you know, <laughs> hurry up and wait, similar to the military mindset. There's a lot of changing of, of opinions and perspective, depending on who's in charge at the moment. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, the thing that kept me going through all of that and allowed me to lead the people that I was in charge of was just remembering those core lessons that I learned in the military of, you know, camaraderie and you know mission first i can keep going down all of these different little sayings that we had and ditties that we had while we were in the marine corps that all shaped who i became and who i am today as a as a leader and how i look at you know approaching life in general but those moments you know starting in boot camp all the way through uh, the military taught me how to treat people taught me how to handle projects how to handle pressure how to mm-hmm. think, you know, mission first and thinking about the future and not just focusing on the pain that I'm suffering and going through today. Right. And I was actually there a part of the transition. I know Cleo, you left shortly, but I actually stayed and we did a uh, you know, a marathon over a two-month period trying to get everything transitioned over. It was one of the hardest and toughest experiences I had in my professional career since I left the Marine Corps. But that experience in the Marine Corps prepared me for it because ultimately I don't have somebody kicking dirt in my face. <laughs> you know, I'm not I'm not running, running six miles in the hot sun. I'm literally just sitting at a desk working on a computer, you know, mm-hmm. and, and having conversations with people. So I think one of the biggest leadership things that I walked away with was just in general perspective, right? Being able to look at the broader picture and see, you know, where I fit in that picture and know that ultimately everything's going to be okay. Mm. It's fascinating that you bring up boot camp because I imagine that like part of the philosophy behind that is like, you've really got to break people down. You've got to break down their pride. I think most of all like that, that, you know, that's like that they know best and break them down so that you can build them up better and that they're, you know, to their capability. But, you know, first and foremost, they have to kind of empty their hands of like whatever it is they're holding on to that keeps them from excelling or keeps them from learning about themselves, things that they wouldn't otherwise know. 
Yeah, Paul, can I can I jump in right quick on that comment? I mean, because you brought up a a perfect point about, you know, like breaking people down. I think Mm -hmm. one thing we learned because I didn't go through the boot camp process, we went through this thing called the like, you know, like officer candidate school. Some people call it. They may be familiar with it or ROTC Mm -hmm. camp if you're in ROTC. Mm -hmm. But one thing it taught me was it kind of taught me that I didn't have those limits, those self-imposed limits that I put on myself. Mm -hmm. Like. At one point, I was like, oh, you can't run but a mile or you can't run but X. I mean, going through these type of camps in the military and the boot camp teaches you you can go past X. It just opens more doors for you. So some people call it breaking and breaking you down. Some people calling it, you know, expectation management. You expect people to fall out at two miles. But when they don't, Mm -hmm. then they just keep running. You know, they just keep doing things and they keep excelling. And that mm-hmm. level of stress that the military puts on you is truly doing that. It's teaching your body that it has another gear, that it has another limit, that you can go past this limit, self-imposed limit that you put on yourself. Mm. Now, Cleo, you had mentioned particularly like, in, well, in your career, uh, but even like early on, you'd mentioned you'd use the word mentorship, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So here we are, we have, we have people who are transitioning out from the military and they're starting to enter, you know, the civilian job market. You know, what are some of the best ways that you found that established career professionals like yourself and Isaac and others who have successfully transitioned from the military to civilian life? How can you mentor or what, what tips would you say to mentor, you know, to military per- personnel just entering the job market? Yeah, I'll tell you, if you start in a new company, you know, a lot of companies now have this these network of veterans, you know, they call them different names, VetNet or whatever. But mm-hmm. I think it's best to start there. I mean, if you're in a you're brand new and you're coming into an organization, you want to talk to someone who's been a part of your journey, who's mm-hmm. experienced the military, who understands how to translate some of these things into corporate America talk. Mm-hmm. And, I'll, and I'll use an example of that. At Jacobs, we have this thing called the E3, which everybody just somewhat kind of sometimes panics over. But to mm-hmm. me, I translate it into here's my support form. Here's my NCOER evaluation form. Here is my OER. And then so a lot of things in corporate America are just named differently, mm-hmm. but they're still military tools. And, you know, one soldier walked up to me one time and said, hey, sir, I'm really nervous about transitioning you know, out of the military because it's a whole new environment for me. So I asked him, I was like, how many times have you PCSed? They said, I PCSed probably 12, 13 times. I was like, each time you go to a brand new unit and what happens? It's new people there. It's new task. Mm -hmm. They don't know much about you, but you have to perform. And you always come out on top. I was like, Mm -hmm. so what makes corporate America different than Mm -hmm. PCS into a new environment? It's still the same environment. It's just new tasks and new traits and skills that you have to learn and you have to build on. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just people getting you getting to know people still keep that same mentality that you had in the military, still volunteer for things, still help support people, help build teams, mentor people, guide people during down a certain path, show mm-hmm. your leadership ability. Those same things are what corporate America is looking for and what they need in mm-hmm. order for the company to be successful. Um, so that's what I tell people all the time. And use the networks that's established. Mm-hmm. LinkedIn, you know, as a career professional, you see me on LinkedIn, you looked at my bio, I got a military resume. Just go ahead and DM me and say, hey, 
you know, hey, Cleo, hey, sir, I've been looking at Jacobs. What do you think? Or I'm having some challenges associated with transitioning. Who can I talk to? Mm-hmm. And then the last thing I'll say, Paul, is like when I was getting out, I was on edge because I was two months away from, you know, my last paycheck, didn't have a job, had a lot of interviews. I called mentors that I had in the army that were mm-hmm. still active duty and said, hey, sir, I'm stressing over here. I got two months left. And they're like, calm down, you know, relax, enjoy yourself. And then they put me in contact with other mentors that are in corporate America that have job opportunities. So I went from putting resumes all on Monster, Indeed, LinkedIn to talking to four people and ended up with like seven or eight job offers. So networking is extremely important. Network mm-hmm. is extremely important. And don't start after you get out to try to network. <laughs> you need yeah. to start networking now, mm-hmm. you know, uh, as a military member. If you know you're going to get out in five years, it's not too soon to start building your LinkedIn and your networking and go to these conferences and collecting cards and staying in touch with people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think that was my most important lesson when I transitioned. And for mm-hmm. me to help people mm-hmm. is the same thing that someone did for me. So my door is always open to try to help someone transition into corporate America. Mm. And then Isaac, kind of picking up on that a little bit, what what resources would you point out to military personnel to avail themselves of as as they make the transition to a professional civilian career? I think Cleo touched on some of the the key resources that are available to veterans. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they give us the PTAP training, right? When you come out, you get the transition training where they walk you through some of the basics of what you can expect through your transition, right? And trying to prepare you for, you know, civilian life as best as they can. But I think taking advantage of that is definitely crucial. But mm-hmm. the key, you know, the people that I've seen that have been able to successfully transition, they had a plan for themselves, right? I had a, a, a Marine, uh, a senior Marine that was kind of mentoring me before I got out. And one of the things he told me, he said, I got out 16 years ago. And mm-hmm. the thing that I realized is I, I had a family of Marines when I got in. And when I get out, I still have a family of veterans, right, that I can lean on. And I think we don't, most of us don't really think of it that way. We don't see ourselves as a family, as a unit, just because, you know, we don't have any ceremonies or or rituals for veterans, like other than Veterans Day. But Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the biggest things I will say is when you're going out into the world, you need to start thinking about one, where you want to be and who you want to be and how you want to be of service and using the Internet as much as possible, but also connecting with other people in your network and outside of your network and stepping out of your comfort zone. And realizing that we all know what you're going through. So you don't have to feel that pressure or, you know, feel awkward about asking for help or asking for advice. And so tools, I would say also is just, you know, look at the Veteran Affairs Administration. I know there's a lot of flack that they get about, you know, the services that they provide or, you know, not providing. But ultimately, they do have some really solid resources and they have access to information that you may not be aware of. And then the other tool that was mentioned earlier by Cleo is LinkedIn. I think Mm -hmm. LinkedIn is one of the most invaluable resources for people that are transitioning because you Mm -hmm. literally can search for veterans, right? That are in your field and identify them and do not be afraid. People get stuck on, what do I say? How do I ask? I know that person's busy, et cetera, et cetera. They may be busy, 
But mm -hmm. if they're busy, just ask them, is there someone else that you think I could talk to that, you know, could help me? Or when you get some time, can you answer these questions and just make it easier for them? Okay. Yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's great. And then, you know, Cleo, he mentioned, you know, LinkedIn and, you know, finding people in your field, that kind of thing. And so I, I realize there are no one size fits all answers to this question, but are there specific career choices or professional disciplines that you think are, are particularly well suited for military personnel? Yeah, I think um, one of the main things they teach you in the military when it comes to, you know, career disciplines and goals is the leadership piece is critical. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if I can pick one particular MOS. Of course, I'm going to lean towards the technical side mm -hmm. only because, you know, that was my bread and butter. And it was linked directly to, you know, in my opinion, my degree of electrical engineering, still dealing with circuits and signal and communications now, I would only say just kind of get into an MOS that allows you to have different experiences that you can go multiple places and then you can kind of build your resume and your skill set. I used to tell my soldiers all the time, if the Army is having training, take advantage of it because that certificate, that degree or whatever, they can't take it away from you when you leave. And that's mm -hmm. going to be a great resume builder when you get out. And so whether you're an infantry guy, field artillery or, you know, medical, whatever you are, just trying to take advantage of the services that they offer. Don't shy away from taking that extra class or getting that extra certificate or volunteering to be part of something that's going to increase or improve your learning. And so I jump outside the MOS and make it more personal. And I loved Isaac's comment about develop a, a plan. And that's one thing we don't do a lot. We don't develop a five-year, 10-year, 20-year plan. Like, where do you want to be? I used to ask my soldiers, where do you want to be when, you, what do you want to be when you grow up? Mm -hmm. And they used to look at me like, you know, I'm growing up now. I mean, like, no, when do you want to be when you grow up? When this military life is over for you and you've mm -hmm. transitioned somewhere else, what do you want to be when you grow up? How do you want to be remembered? Mm -hmm. And I think that really makes people think about things they need to accomplish now Mm -hmm. things they need to accomplish in the future to get to that end goal. And I think that's something that I would lean on. But the military has a lot to offer. I mean, I, you know, my story is unique. I, I came in wanting to stay four years and stay 25. But the military teaches you so much about stress management, you know, at the White House. <laughs> Perfect story is President Obama got on stage one time and he said, oh, uh, yeah, even the president's printer runs out of ink. And I'm in my office because I have to watch the speech and I'm laughing. And then on inside, I was like, oh, crap, <laughs> that's my fault. <laughs> you know, that's on me. <laughs> so the audience, the audience like laughed. They had a great laugh on it. And I looked at my phone, immediately my phone started ringing. Um, <laughs> because you kind of take these moments for granted. But to be mm -hmm. honest, every lesson you learn in the military is going to roll back into corporate America somewhere down the road. So definitely sure. fill up your fill up your kit bag, fill up your toolbox with good lessons and then just use them to grow as a leader, no matter what environment you land in. Mm -hmm. Now, so I think, you know, we, we talked about some of the, the career elements, you know, and networking and trying to find a job, but maybe be maybe a little larger scope than that. What do you see are some of the biggest challenges that military personnel face when transitioning to civilian life? 
and maybe this is kind of like a mindset shift or, or whatnot, but you know, what, what do you see are some of those kinds of challenges, you know, that people should be aware of and how do they overcome them? I'm glad you brought this up too, because this is something that I talk about with, you know, people that are both veterans and people that are still active. Mm -hmm. I think one of the biggest gaps that I see is culture. You know, in the military, you get used to a certain level of expectations, right? Where the people around you, you know, you know, they're going to show up to an extent, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think in the corporate space, getting used to being able to understanding how to push people, but doing it in a way where it's not, you know, as <laughs> aggressive as how we do in the military, right? You could you can have a certain level of tone. You can mm -hmm. have a certain level of expectations that you can place on people and you know they're going to deliver in the military side but a lot mm -hmm. of that pressure you have to learn how to ninja your way through it as a civilian and i yeah. think that's one of the biggest things that i see people transitioning out of the military struggle with and then mm -hmm. also i think one of the other big things is just having confidence knowing that you have been prepared for some of the you know most difficult circumstances you could a human could ever face in life and that will show up in moments of crisis, moments of chaos, moments of importance in your civilian career. And being able to walk in that and trust in that and walk, you know, moving in that energy when you get into the civilian space, but doing it in a way with emotional intelligence. I, I think emotional intelligence is one of the biggest things I think that as veterans, we need to fully embrace and that will ease the transition learning how to deal with different types of people is something that you've kind of mastered when you're in the military because you don't have an option not to you're surrounded by you know people from every background every race every ethnicity every gender etc cetera, etc cetera. but when you get into the civilian space just walking in that confidence and knowing that you know you've been prepared for things that most people would never be able to experience and then second i would say is financial management i've seen that as one of the biggest hurdles for people in the military because you have this guaranteed check coming nine times out of 10. And then when you get out, knowing how to actually allocate your resources properly so that you can sustain it over time, I think that's one of the other big issues that I've seen across the board. And just embracing learning and not expecting to know everything and realizing that you know nothing and being okay with that in all those areas. Those are some of the key things that I would say I've seen as some of the biggest challenges the health mm -hmm. side, mental health side, the emotional health side, and then the financial health side. Mm. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree with Isaac on that one, because as soon as you come out of military and go into corporate, they ask you questions about like 401k and dividends and stock options and up and down. And, you know, those are kind of things that we never experienced in the military. So this whole financial thing, mm -hmm. you definitely need to lean on people who've been through that before. And even mm -hmm. during the offer letter process. You know, mm -hmm. have someone translate all that stuff, that fine print that's in your offer letter, um, because a lot of times they make an assumption that, oh, you guys already have medical or you guys already have this so we can give you a lower salary. Um, mm -hmm. But a lot of times that's not true. I mean, so you really mm -hmm. need someone to help network and mentor you through those those situations. Kind of walk you through those details. Yeah. yeah. So um, my last question for both of you is kind of the final word, kind of a summing things up. and. Cleo, I'll start with you, and then Isaac, I'll ask you the same question. But so, Cleo, you know, what are some lessons learned while serving that you'd point out that can help personnel make the transition? 
Yeah, I think the number one lesson learned for me is networking. A lot of times when I was in those environments, I did not want to go and sit in a room with ex-general, ex-colonel, ex-whoever who was coming to talk to us about leadership and life lessons. But if I could do all that again, I would definitely build that network of not only teammates, but friends and civilian professionals that can help lead and guide me through multiple scenarios that you face in in corporate America. A lot of times we just kind of stumble our way through the process Mm -hmm. uh, when you could have leaned on someone um, to kind of help navigate you through the potholes and around them. I think that's one. And then uh, the second one I'd say is like, you're great. Look at what you accomplished in the military. Look at what you've done in the military, no matter if you retired or not, look at all of the hurdles that you had to go through to get to where you, you know, where you transitioned out. Mm-hmm. Take that same amount of greatness and confidence and transition that into corporate America. When you look at some of the stressful situations that we've been in, a lot of people in corporate America have not been through those type of hurdles. Right. And so you can end up being a coach to someone that's outranks you just because of your experiences. You can be a mentor to someone that's below or above you based on your experiences in the military. Just don't take for granted the things that you learned are small. They're huge. And then another thing I'd say is like, once you transition and retire out, one of the, uh, a GL told me he retired like two or three years ago. We get about two or three months of transition leave on the back end. A lot of us want to rush right into a job. You know, we want to figure out like we don't want to take any break at all, but taking a month off to do what Isaac talked about, develop that plan And really your plan should have already been built. But now you're just fine tuning it to figure out exactly what you want to do. One of my mentors made me develop a plan and it was like interview twice with a large business, interview twice with a medium sized business, interview twice with a small business, because I couldn't make a decision if I wanted to go small business, medium or large in corporate America. Mm -hmm. So that was part of my plan that he forced me to develop during that month I was off. You know, I learned how to make beer. I learned how to like, you know, bought a mountain bike, how to do a few things. You know, Mm -hmm. I just had hobbies. And those hobbies, woodworking, those hobbies help relax me and transition me mm-hmm. mentally yeah. through some mental things that I was going through mm-hmm. over to corporate America. It just calmed me so I was ready for that transition. So I would say those, and I'm not going to take a lot of time, but I think those are like, you know, just three things that I would do. You have done it and you have done it very well for X amount of years. Mm-hmm. Don't lose that confidence going into corporate America thinking, I hadn't done corporate America before, so now I'm starting at zero. No, you're not. Mm-hmm. You're not starting at zero. You got a tool bag of knowledge that you're taking to corporate America. No, that's great. That's great advice. And then Isaac, the, the same question for you. You know, what are some lessons learned while serving that you'd point out that can help personnel make that transition? So I'm just going to confirm some of the stuff that Cleo said. I think he's he hit the nail on the head in many different statements. But I think number one for me is mentorship. And as I look back upon my entire career, I -hmm. see the importance that mentorship played throughout all of it. Every major decision I didn't make in a silo, Mm -hmm. right? I didn't make by myself. I I actually went to people that had experienced what I was planning to experience or currently experiencing. And I asked their perspective. 
And I've done this very strategically throughout my career. And I'll just give some examples. So mm -hmm. I made the decision to go into the military by reaching out to all the veterans that I could reach out to in my neighborhood. And I sat down and had conversations with them. That Those conversations led to me having it guaranteed in my contract that I would do no other job while I served other than a computer programmer unless I chose to do something else while I was in the Marine Corps. Once I got to the point where I was ready to leave, I did the same thing. I went and spoke to every single Marine that I could find or veteran that I could find and asked their perspective on how to approach the next level. And I came back with a checklist of things, right? And I looked at the commonalities. These are the things that they said don't do. And these are the things that they said do. And I made a short list and I executed on those, right? And then getting into the corporate world, it was the same thing throughout that process. There were many times where I was challenged to learn something new or do something new or lead something that I had no experience in. But yeah. the way that I approached it was I found people mm -hmm. every single time, all the way up until today, I've done that in my career. When I wanted to learn sales and business, mm -hmm. I did the exact same thing. I reached out to as many owners of companies that had a background of success and I asked them their perspective on sales. And I sat down with them, right? So that motto of mentorship, it applies in every area and every aspect of your life. And it's mm -hmm. one of the most valuable tools in your you know, toolbox that you have available to you, no matter where you are in your career or transition. And then I would say number two is the, the other big piece to that is knowing how to identify what you want to do and where you want to go. And just because you had experience in one area when you were in the military doesn't mean you have to stay in that area. Yeah. I get reached out to all the time by people that are looking to transition from they I had an administrative role when I was in the military. Now I want to be in tech. I was in healthcare. Now I want to be in tech. You know what I mean? So there's mm -hmm. always these there's always a, a door open for you. You just have to navigate how to trans, translate that experience into mm -hmm where you're going. And one of the perks we have as being veterans is all of us are taught leadership at yes. some level, right? And that leadership ability and that ability to have accountability for your actions and for your work, that shows up in the actual workplace and in the civilian sector. So you can always translate those skills. It just may take some outside help or outside eyes on it to help you translate it in that way. So those are the two main things that I would say you know, military personnel can do and, and people that are transitioning out can can look into and, and just seriously consider and think about mm -hmm. those two areas, because that's going to make the that's going to make all the difference for you. Mm. Yep. And translating those skills definitely lead to your resume. They don't know you. That resume is definitely critical. So what Isaac was talking about, translating those skills into measurable requirements, mm -hmm. that's exactly what people need to do, because I've seen some military resumes that look just like their description telling me I, I was a I was a soldier and I did X. No, what was the results of that? Yeah. So those that's extremely important. And putting it down on paper, your accomplishments. Yeah. So people can see what you were the impact that you yeah. were able to have. Exactly. Well, you know, this is this has been super fascinating. And you know, I, I'm listening to both of you and and I did not serve in the military, but you know, it's like there's just so many gems here that I wish just when I was a young person you know, a much younger person that I, I had heard this stuff and that I had known this stuff when I was just, you know, just getting in like college and getting out. I mean, it's like, I think a lot of what you, you both shared resonates even beyond the military. You know, obviously it's very 
very helpful for people who are in the military, but just I think anybody could really benefit from what you both share. This is excellent advice. So, well, Isaac and Cleo, I want to thank you both so much for your time today. Uh, it's been a real pleasure talking with you and getting to know you. Um, and also would be remiss if I didn't thank you both for your service to our country. We owe you an enormous debt, you and all veterans. So thank you so much uh, for your time today. All right, Isaac, I'll, I'll hit you on LinkedIn. Definitely. <laughs> it's already starting. It's already starting. And, and I just want to give one last gem, if that's possible. I think yeah. this you just said something that sparked something in me. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I learned as a programmer, but also as a Marine, is the concept of reverse engineering. You know, and reverse engineering just means looking at something in its finished state and then working your way backwards. You know, I've done some dealings with several companies that have models called working backwards, right, where you start with the end result and you work your way back. And so when you're transitioning out, it helps if you know where you want to be, because, you know, you can look at the existing job descriptions that are out there and then Mm -hmm. reverse engineer and work your way back. What degrees did they say I need to have? What skills do they say Mm -hmm. I need to have? You know, Mm -hmm. what what some of the people that are on LinkedIn that have these jobs, what certifications did they get? You can start looking at this stuff and making a checklist out of those items and Mm -hmm. then just knocking them out one by one and positioning yourself for success. So I just wanted to add that as one key nugget, because I feel like that's something that I've done and that I've used that I don't talk about enough. And I Mm -hmm. think it'll be super helpful for people, no matter where you're coming from in your career. Oh, excellent. That's excellent advice. Yes. Thank you so much for sharing that. And so, and again, thank you both so much. Uh, I have really enjoyed talking with both of you today. So thank you. All right. Take care. Thanks, Paul. Have a great one.